With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, my name is Jay. <laughs> I just wanted to call you. Reach out, call Jay. Telephones are not going to dial themselves. Pick up that phone and speak the words. Your own personal talk show. It's a radio show host. Someone who tries to be bad. Someone who's there. Brad, Brad, Bradley J. Jay talking. WBZ. Turn into a radio show. Call 617-254-1030 to join in. I speak Jay. Reach out, call Jay. WBZ. By popular demand, actually, Barbara from Bedford, or New Bedford, said, you got to talk about music more and rock more. Well, okay, Barbara, here you go. It's David Bieber, who has been in the biz longer than I have and knows way more people. And I, I don't get to see David much. Uh, I've known him since, I guess, kind of since 79. And I see him at these gigs and everyone loves him so much. They're all slapping his back and saying, David, David, David. So now that I have him here, he's not getting out. We haven't even gone through all the cool stuff he brought. as uh, Paraphernalia, ephemera. No, it's, because it's not ephemera. It's, it's awesome. Asemera. That's not a very good word. Collectibles and relics. Yes. Now, the most visually stunning thing you brought in, sir, uh, is uh, this guitar behind me, which looks like a sort of voodoo storefront from New Orleans. This has a real cool story. This is, uh, the artist is Asa Brebner, and Asa is a guitarist himself, and he plays at uh, gigs around town like... uh, Sally O'Brien's in the tavern at the end of the world, and uh, he's he's still active. But historically, he uh, was a uh, later day member of uh, Jonathan Richmond and uh, the Modern Lovers, and he really kind of came to prominence with some uh, records uh, made uh, for Warner Brothers with Robin Lane and the Chartbusters. And uh, he is also, I guess what you'd call a folk artist uh, of uh, using a guitar as the canvas, as uh, the self-expression. But he adorns the guitar with various religious items and children's toys and uh, dice and uh, skeletons, skeletons, and uh, a whole variety of jewels, pearls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, 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 he makes these guitars. Some of them are hanging over at uh, the rehearsal space in Somerville called Jam Spot. But uh, he does these, uh, and it's just a, an artistic necessity that he creates. And uh, I uh, actually acquired one of these uh, several years ago. And uh, tomorrow I'm actually going to put it in uh, 
the Verb Hotel on display so people can come by, 1271 Boston. You don't have to be staying at the hotel to check it out. Uh, but it's it's something that has such jaw-dropping stopping power. The people who look at it are just so intrigued because, you know, guitars are beautiful objects of desire to begin with. But when you start adorning them with uh, a particular artist, not just, you know, musical artist, but creative artist. Yeah, this is know. MFA level stuff well, that he does. I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that we're moving in that direction, and I'm glad that institutions like the MFA, which historically, you know, in the last 10 years, they had a, um, uh, an exhibit devoted to the Summer of Love uh, posters, you know, psychedelic posters from the 1960s, 1967. They had, uh, you know, uh, uh, an exhibit that was called uh, Hippie Chic. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. The, the, the fashion. Exactly. That was... Excellent. Yeah, and uh, I'm very excited that uh, things that might be kind of dismissed as uh, just, you know, street art or folk art or, you know, transitory design uh, works have been elevated to the museum level. And certainly, you know, the the, uh, uh, Institute of Contemporary Art uh, down in the Seaport area, you know, they have done exhibits that have been fascinating, you know, in a contemporary fashion as well. They had a pickup of an exhibit a couple years ago from uh, Duke University. It was called The Record. And it just had uh, all kinds of imaginary art uh, referencing recorded music, made up album covers from uh, street artists. And there was a a bird that had its beak on a continuously playing uh, record. And it was actually coming through a speaker. You could hear the music. Uh, There was a towering stack of 45s that was a kind of uh, musical sculpture that was probably about 15 feet in the air. Uh, All kinds of wonderful things, and the museums are displaying this stuff. I'm sure you went down to Sun Studios at some point in your life, right? Yeah, yeah. That must have been, I mean, for me, I didn't expect it to have the impact it did, but man, it did. Well, it was, it's so real. Well, it's real, it's primitive, and yeah, and and it's it's wonderful that these relics have been preserved. You know, we talked a little earlier about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, I, I think that the, people can rail against the institutionalization or the commercialization of rock and, and and music and culture in general. But if somebody doesn't save it, then it's lost. It doesn't exist. You know, that's why. You know, as I mentioned, it's exciting that even the Boston Phoenix archives and WFNX uh, will be preserved at Northeastern University. That, you know, we have uh, mutual friends, Steve Nelson and Harry Sandler, who, you know, run uh, the only, it's only online at this point, but the Music Museum of New England. They have the WBCN uh, library of yeah. records with all the uh, markings of the DJs on the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Just uh, let me explain that to the people. Um, I'll explain the evolution of what DJs were allowed to play. When I got there in 79, there was one rule. At the top of the hour, you had to play a band that would fill the garden. That was the only rule. Right. Of course, any record you played, you had to be able to go in and do battle for and justify it. So you better be on your game. You had to have a reason. If you were going to play that weird track, you couldn't do it gratuitously. It had to have a reason because you'd have to sit there in front of the boss and say, he would say in a loud, expletive-filled <laughs> sentence, what are you doing? And you would have to justify it 
or not. And yet the positioning statement, and I came up with this and we use this in print advertising and various other sources, uh, was just the WBCN 104 FM and the logo and the statement from Elvis to Elvis. There and you this go. was 1979. And then the, as the evolution of DJ control, it went like this. The next step was at the top of the hour, you had to pay one of the big eight. There were like a list of eight bands. Seeger, Stones, Zeppelin. Mm, can't remember. <laughs> and then gradually it shifted to the there were the record bin where there were the categories, which is more what we would see in every station across the world. At this play- time, you play one from bin A. And a, at this time, you play B. one from bin B. But back when, well... When you were really super free, you had to let the DJ before you know that you played it. And so on the record cover was a grid taped on, lots of really strong tape. And each DJ had a color. Color fell to pen. Tammy Hattie had a brown pen. Oh, was it pink? Maybe I... (laughs) Anyway, you'd put your initials, and in uh, one corner you'd put a dot, which signified which hour on that day you played it, and the date. And you'd have to, you know, there's a rule like you couldn't have played it, I don't know, a week, a day, it would change. But some of those grids may still exist. Well, they are still on those records. And uh, that was from the BCN Record Library. And when the station was moving um, uh, from uh, Boylston Street to uh, Leo Birmingham Highway, I think that... uh, uh, they were trying to figure out what do we do with the records, and I think they put them in storage for a while, and uh, then ultimately donated it to uh, the Music Museum of New England, which, you know, hopefully will someday become an actual, uh, you know, physical location, a place that you can go and see the kind of vinyl, see the grid, and you know, the uh, the, the, the evolution of that kind of playlist. It was ultimately the computer told you what records yeah. to play, and you know, kind of had a weekly or a monthly summary of how frequently something right. was played but you know there was a certain point when uh, you know each BCN DJ had a personality had a musical statement to make the jocks were allowed to bring records from home oh yeah you know if and, you were cool you were bringing records from home exactly because so, you would have the new the band that was an offshoot of a band that somebody knew but it was just brand new and that, that was that but was it, thing. you know but if you were also wanting to spice up what you were playing and yeah. obviously this was probably chasing away 99% of the audience but if you wanted to play you know Tibetan gong music or Gamalayan well, that Mon- was before my time okay well, but that was you know, <laughs> that was so, so, that was a, probably a slump in the, ra- in well, the ratings during that point I, I think I think that's what drove <laughs> Charles Lockwood era into an early premature retirement and then he came back but yeah, but I I think that that was uh, that was a, a fascinating liberation of the airways, especially coming from a period when. Uh, uh... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Top 40 radio had become so constricted that uh, some stations were only playing 15 or 20 songs a week. Those records with the grids on them represent freedom, both for the curator, the DJ, and for the listener. It was a, you, you knew you were... 
you, you were receiving the product of a free creator. It was pretty cool. Well, it was also the treating radio as a foreground medium, that it, you didn't have just music playing in the background while you were doing seven other things. That You really listened as an avid participant with the DJ, with the medium of radio. And, uh, you know, I, I think that in some respects, talk radio has replaced that to become the intimate, you know, interactive and, you know, uh, foreground aspect of entertainment strangely i have at least as much freedom now as i ever did over there as far as a content provider i 100 percent choose the content here which is pretty cool and pretty rare so those records with those those uh graphs that we the djs used to mark they're over at northeastern no no the, the phoenix and wfnx oh. materials at northeastern uh the records i believe are somewhere in storage nobody can uh, right now, I think they're just kind of unavailable, but at least we can take some satisfaction knowing that they, they exist. exist and they're preserved. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they're this- waiting. For, they're waiting for a home. So somebody who has a, a huge uh, trust fund or uh, you know scratch ticket where they collected ten million dollars, uh, let's build a physical place. If there's one thing I could have from the physical BCN, it would be besides the microphones, the Neumann microphones, which are like super five grand would be the record bin oh yeah that yeah. plywood weird oh, wooden it, bin that was there for 20 years it, it looked like like somebody it, been, you know constructed it in the basement in 12 minutes with a saw where is that <laughs> does it you know where I, that is don't you no, i i think that they made toothpicks out of that you don't know <laughs> no i don't i can't believe that that thing got away yeah well i should have stolen it yeah and it was it was not it was it was something that could have easily fit ben probably in the, in the back seat of your 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 vehicle. You know? Are there any other pieces that you brought with you? No, we've covered them all. I I would like to ask a couple of questions about promotions, fun promotions. David was involved with big old promotions for BCN and for FNX. Give me a a big one for B, uh, BCN that you remember. Like uh, if nothing pops up, were you there for the 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 20th birthday concert at the BC Interim? Oh, the uh, Aerosmith where yeah. we bought out the house and gave away all the tickets. Yeah. That was one of the great shows of all time. And uh, that was the spirit of uh, marketing and promotion and connection with the audience. Uh, it wasn't that we, you know, there were many shows where we'd give away 104 pairs of tickets yeah. because of the dial position. But this was the 20th birthday and... Uh, Aerosmith. Um, a free was, concert with Aerosmith is kind of a mind blowing thing. Right. And we paid the freight. You know, it wasn't How like. How much? Uh, can you you can tell the statute of limitations no, no, is I up. know I know but I'm I'm trying to remember it was it was probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> you know but but Aerosmith was on their second life and they did really you know have one of the remarkable comebacks uh, because uh, uh, they were falling apart falling off stage uh, broken up you know you had you know Aerosmith going one way and the Joe Perry project going another and there were you know credible valid music musicians who were replacing uh, uh, the members who were dropping out. But uh, it was a perilous time. And then, uh, you know, uh, for without rewriting history, you know, Tim Collins became their manager and helped them with their sobriety and got them a new deal with Geffen Records, probably about 1984, 85. And uh, they were back 
off to the races again. Big time by Big 88 time. or 89. Yeah, and this was 88. It was the 20th birthday party of WBCN and took over the, the Centrum and uh, gave away all the tickets and got all the benefits of that marketing uh, consequence. And, you know, the, the whole point was you could not buy tickets, but you can win tickets. This is the only place you can get them. That was a great promotion. Another one we did was the Boston band, The Cars, yeah. you know, where he gave a car away, but it wasn't just as primitive as that. The car that we were giving away, we hoisted in a crane, and it was tied in with uh, not only Electra Records, uh, the, car's la- the car's label, but also with Strawberry's Records, which had that huge neon sign in that great store on uh, Memorial Drive. So we put a crane on the bank of the Charles River. We hoisted the car up, but before we put the car up in the crane, we put Mark Parento in it, and he did a live broadcast from it, and that's where we gave the car away. Of course, OSHA, if they had found out that we were putting a crane and putting a car and a person uh, dangling over the Charles River, they would have said no. Much of the credit of everyone involved, you and the bosses, stuff that wouldn't get done now due to liability got done then, and and liability was an issue then, but they just kind of had courage, I guess. Or, or right? Well, there were some things that you know uh, you would sometimes have contests where uh, you might have an extensive economic liability, and you kind of take out insurance protecting yeah. uh, if somebody won a million dollars, which they didn't. But we gave away things. We had show us, uh, uh, show us your WBCN. And people would create, you know, all kinds of, you know, it was, once again, street art and tested the ingenuity. You know, people would jump out of an airplane and, you know, four people, one would be holding the W, another the B, another the C, and the and the fourth the N. And, and they submit a photograph. To show your spirit. To, your, yeah. Uh, one guy, and this was before... Uh, People really had, you know, extensive body art and tattoos like they do now. A guy to win a pound of gold had WBCN's logo tattooed on his entire back. And he also did the skyline of Boston and uh, the, the tall ships coming in. <laughs> and it, it wow. was, I mean, it, it, there was such an avid participatory involvement uh, on the part of the listeners. And, you know, it was... It was one hand washing the other. It was really an incredible kind of connectivity. Was that, was that your promotion, Barnum and Bailey theory? Go big. Well, go, not just go big, but we, you know, every uh, a lot of pedestrian things as well. I mean, not, there was in the days of doing movie screenings where people could see a film. We take over a theater, and you could see a film before it opened. Uh, That's right. Free movies, free tickets to uh, shows. And my belief was that you don't make a judgment call on what other people might like or might enjoy. I mean, in the relationship that I had with people like Jane Lanouette and Allied Advertising, that, you know, give me... Give me a dog. It's okay, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll take your film that may only play for a week because some people might want to see it. But you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're not going to waste your money. Maybe you'll waste a little of your time. But what you remember is, but we free get, movie. But we would get, and we would get the big films in exchange. Right. Also, you know, I mean, it's 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 great it's, to, it's worth just as much or more maybe to the people who did not go, right? Because they and, didn't see it. All I know is, wow, they had a movie. Uh, maybe I'll go to the. I'll try to go to the next one. 
and then you know it's also you 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 not only have the film but you'd give away th- you know Chachi would be the MC or you know Mark or Ken or one of the right. DJs would have that visibility in front of 500 people in the movie theater and then you'd say remember that number that we gave you that the the double uh, number ticket we're going to reach into the fishbowl right. and we're going to you know number 603 you have won the Ringo Starr caveman suit that he wore in the movie. You know, people just loved it. I remember, and I was involved in some of them. One that stands out was uh, involved. What would you do to see you do? Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one guy who lost uh, covered himself with actual, some sort of liquid tar, not tar, but something, and then rolled in feathers. Yeah, yeah. Right. But the winner ate 104 goldfish. Yeah. and But the, uh, what we always tried to do as well was not only did we have a grand prize in yeah. the Go Big contest, but we'd have supplementary prizes. You know, we'd have a second runner-up and third and fourth, you know, and we always tried to reward as many people as we could with, uh, you know, we made so many T-shirts. You know, I, we probably went through... Several million bumper stickers. We had generic identity logo BCN bumper stickers, but we also did custom ones for all the bands yeah. that were coming Stones, through. Stones, that's right. Springsteen and U2 and Pink Floyd. And, you know, many of these bands were just on uh, the accelerated path to success. Some of them hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, you go back to the early days of uh, Springsteen, for example, you know, and it's all documented in Carter Allen's book on the rise and fall of WBCN. You know, Maxanne Sartori played uh, Springsteen before anybody. You know, he he showed up at her show and did one of those high mom moments, you know, where he was so excited to be on the radio in 1972 or three. Wow. You know? Maxanne was an early uh, BCN DJ. He went off to Portland. Did she? She now lives in Brookline. Brookline. She's come back, but she did. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. She went out to the West Coast and then she went to Florida and then uh, has come back. uh... All right. Tell me about, and I hope you have something on the top of your head, promotion gone wrong. Disaster. There's got to be something that went wrong or one that was caused a lot of tension. A disaster. I can think of kind of one, the one where Chachi got his job. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Well, it was, uh, I, I think what happened Is was... Is there something you can talk about? Yeah. Well, no, okay. I mean, I, w- w- it, there was a person that, uh, 
uh, I, I, am, I was proud of the fact that the, the 16 years that I was at BCN, the people that I work with in my department, uh, I, would, I would not uh, call them assistants, but they were people who worked with me. One was Mary Mena, who rose in the ranks uh, and is a significant uh, uh, person currently Saw her the other night. On, the, on the business side of uh, New England Broadcasting. And Whoever, and it, if there's somebody responsible for this disaster, don't say their name. Okay, yeah. And, and the first uh, so-called assistant was Eddie Gordetsky, who's now uh, you know, one of the most significant uh, producers in Los Angeles, TV producers. He's created the show uh, Mom. Uh, he's been involved with Chuck Lorre's productions on things like... Uh, uh, Two and a Half Men and uh, Mike and Molly and Big Bang Theory. And uh, the third person that I worked with was Chachi Lepret, who's still at the Sports Hub and WZLX, and uh, he's been there for... Uh, I mean, I hired him uh, as the van. He, he was the van driver at BCN. I hired him probably 35 years ago, and he's still uh, he's rock solid. He's still absolutely showing up every day and doing incredible work and promotions and marketing for those stations. And the other person just kind of got a little ahead of the job, and it was the only person in my life that I ever had to let go, uh, and it just didn't work out. And that was like a, a personal disappointment because. Uh, it was a 30-day trial period, and on the 29th day, it was clear that it wasn't working out. Uh-huh. So we parted ways. But uh, you know, there, there, uh, you know, in this uh, in this all-inclusive era of Facebook friends, uh, she is still among those. So, okay, great. Yeah, I, I something will... we never talk about, and we have limited time, so I'm going to go right to the fireworks. Were yeah. you, you were involved with the WBCN fireworks? Yeah, exactly. And that, that was the biggest. I can't even imagine. I never got to see the fireworks, not even once, because I worked them every time. I live mixed the soundtrack that was created by Tom Sandman on a number of eight-track, because 20 of them, and they had to be button-pushed Ab- at the right time. Absolute synchronicity and perfection. It was the soundtrack to the fireworks. It was held on Labor Day weekend a number of consecutive years, and it was, you know, Boston has the September 1st Labor Day slash uh, turnover of occupancy and the return of students. And people are making their decisions for, you know, they're coming off summer vacation and determining what station are they going to listen to, who are they going to commit to, what's going to be compelling programming. And we gave a gift to the city of Boston, which was a celebration of uh, the fireworks uh, um, with uh, the full impact of the fireworks was you tuned into WBCN to hear the collaborative music that went yeah, with What a the, great thing to tie and, in this uh, spectacle exactly. with the station and, to people who are just getting to town and we go, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was very much a tradition... Uh, uh, much akin to uh, the July Fourth fireworks, you know, the the stature of uh, the people who were creating the, the Gucci fireworks, family. the Gucci family from uh, New Jersey, I believe. But you know, world famous and multi generational for their creative fireworks display, and it really built a, a, a tremendous amount of goodwill in the community. So, was- I, as I never saw them, <laughs> I, I went, maybe you could tell me what they were like. Were they? How did they? As far as Quantity relate to the the July Fourth fireworks. Were they? 
it was a real fireworks display. Oh, it, it went on for you know probably 25, 30 minutes, and it had the ebb and flow of a fireworks uh, display that you know builds you up and then levels you off and then takes you to another plateau, mm-hmm. elevates you again, yeah. becomes this whole statement in the sky. We even a couple of years had photo contests where people, you know, encouraging people to not only show up, go to the fireworks, but send in your best, you know, it was a pre-digital era, mm. but, you know, so send in your, uh, your your greatest captured image of the fireworks. And we even, you know, extended that. We had uh, the annual WBCN calendar. Uh, I have two of them know, upstairs. Yeah, you might have given them to me. I, I don't know. Well, if you if you're missing any years, I, I can give. I you, have I can two fill only. In, I can fill in the. Pe- but you know, we had the fireworks in the calendar. We did a a, a post fireworks uh, poster that was given away for free. I think that may have been the winning uh, submission of uh, the photo contest. You know, everything kind of interlocked. And um, sadly, you didn't see. You know, uh, I'm sometimes stunned at the number of of BCN vintage things that are actually on YouTube. Um, you know, the BCN commercials that I created for television that are up there. I mean, we had uh, very much, you know, there was one campaign that was focused on Charles, you know, who, who's waking up with Charles on the big mattress, uh-huh. and it included people like uh, Kevin mm-hmm. McHale yeah, yeah. from uh, the Celtics and uh, uh, Roger Clemens uh, from the Red Sox and Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. And they all just agreed to, you know, I think we even said to them, we'll give you $100 for your favorite charity and they, to participate. And they just did it out of the spirit of connectivity with the station. See, that's where being huge helps. It well, helps, yeah, helps, yeah. Continue, helps you continue to be huge. You right. have the clout to get these people. Well, but I think it was, you know... More about relationships? Exactly. We were involved and we integrated what we could do for them when they integrated what they could do for us. I, I can remember once we were doing... I think it was a 20th anniversary uh, supplement in Billboard magazine. Uh, It was the 20th birthday of BCN. And I was talking to various people who were friends of the station to take ads to support the uh, supplement, which was probably 24 or 32 pages. And I remember talking to the then owner of Strawberries Records, Morris Levy. Uh, who's the notorious uh, record industry character and uh, the person in The Sopranos, uh, Hesh, is modeled after Morris. Anyhow, Morris was, he could be a great guy when he chose to be. And he said, what do I want to give money to Billboard magazine to spend, you know, uh, in your in their advertising supplement on you? Why don't we, you pick a charity and I'll write a check for $5,000. We 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 gave it to the Jimmy Fund. We we stood on 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 the Red Sox playing field and presented an overblown check. Probably wound up in fifteen different publications. Wow! You know, you're, so you're just, hearing these stories makes me really realize how excellent you were at your job. As wonder, as were you. I mean, it was that was the great thing is that we were completely believing in each other. Yeah. You know, there was one point where it was kind of amusing, you know, these were the days, you know, before the internet where you had inter-office memos that were put on people's chairs, you know, and the, <laughs> right, right, right. And the general manager, you know, said in the spirit of the harmony, something to, to this effect, in the spirit of the harmony of the station and the collaborative efforts of the various departments, the sales members will no longer be called sales weasels. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Because we were always kind of a, a bit dismissive, but the reality was is the economies of scale grew and we were able to spend more on promotions and people's salaries were able to increase. Yeah. You know, you had to respect what the salespeople were doing. For the record, I never referred to them as weasels, <laughs> but that was the nom de, nom de guerre. What's that? <laughs> that was the name that they, they had to live with for a long time. Before the break, for folks who may have seen the fireworks, I wanted to explain how the music goes. And, by the way, it occurs to me that even more than the 4th of July, I think, fireworks, music was a part of these. And it now everything is automatic. There's a soundtrack that is triggered. It all runs on one big tape, both the detonation and the music, as I understand it. But before, they were unattached. And the way it would work is this. Tom Sandman, who is the production director, he's with Billy West, is responsible for all those lunchtime songs, would create with great labor and love and care over a long period of time and many, many, many hours, the soundtrack. But due to the limitations of the technology at the time, you couldn't, there was nothing you could just put it on and play it. And it wouldn't have worked that way anyway because you needed to kind of watch what was going on in the fireworks and fire the music according to, you know, what probably was going to happen with the fireworks. So Tom was stationed at some place where he could see everything with a phone. And it was, I don't think there were cell phones at the time. No. I was in the studio with a cart machine, which is basically like a machine that has six eight-track players in it and a stop button and a go button. The 20 minutes of music was on 21-minute carts. So, Tom, this was like the most stressful thing. Tom Sandman would be like, you could hear the things going off in the background. You know millions of people are watching. And you know that if you screw up, you are 1,000% dead. And so just with the, hyper, the concentration that I don't naturally have, I'm focused down. Okay, listening to him. Cart number one. Put it in. Ready, push, play. And then the real hairy thing was, yeah, the parts might be two-minute cards, but you, you had to stop them to take them out to make room for the next one. You couldn't let them finish by themselves. And so you had to really concentrate to make sure you weren't stopping the cart that was actually playing. And every year, that it was, was a the, and it was a different soundtrack. Yeah. So it it wasn't like you had the luxury and the comfort zone of okay, it's the 1812 overture, and we know where uh, everything is musically, and it's just yeah. going to flow correspondingly to the fireworks. You had to be so precise without having the technological advantage. So Tom Sandman would be on the phone. Okay. Number four, in 10 seconds, no, no, now, now, boom, okay, boom. And then at the end of that, it was, I just needed a beer so, I just, well, I didn't even finish. Like, you know, I was like, the doctor said, you, you close it up, I got to get out of here. Well, and maybe, I, maybe you didn't see the fireworks, but your brain was exploding. Uh, they, that's exactly right. We were with David Bieber, my colleague for a long time, my friend in the music scene, business, uh, promotions person, and collector. And he's got some really long stuff relationships with cool people. One, maybe the closest. I don't know, Peter Wolf. And Peter has been a longtime friend. Uh, you know, he's been very committed to uh, the Boston music scene. And, you know, we worked together uh, at BCN, uh, not only promoting uh, the Jay Giles records, but Peter Wolf solo albums through the years. 
Peter was uh, an original um, WBCN DJ back in the late 1960s and uh, just another marketing slash programming activity that we had on an annual basis at WBCN was Peter coming in and suspending all the programming rules and Peter for four hours would do his own totally unique woofa goofa Friday night fish fries celebrating BCN's anniversary and you know it would sometimes be on a Friday or a Saturday and he would take phone calls and bring records from home and take requests and give advice on dating and you know give his own twisted Bronx version of homework tips and uh, it was just just another segment of the unique uh, uh, opportunities that that you know BCN had with not only its audience but the people that you know were the major bands that uh, you know there were so many uh, so many people that uh, you would involve yourself with professionally but then it became a social activity that you kind of get to know these people personally you have dinner you may be talking shop you may be talking media but you're also you know helping their careers and they're helping your career by being available to do things with you and everybody uh you know all the boats rise bottom line it was fun oh absolutely that was kind of the thing if anyone says well it couldn't have been all fun no, it was all fun. And, and you know, Peter is, uh, you know, I saw him a couple of weeks ago at the Cabot Theater in Beverly. He's going to be doing a couple shows, uh, opening for Tom Petty at the Boston Garden in July. He's on uh, his own tour, but he's also involved with some dates with Petty uh, beyond Boston and uh, had a great uh, album release uh, on Concord Records, which is part of the Universal Group uh, last year. Yeah, and uh, it's really, really, really good. Not just kind of good, it's really yeah. good. And I, I think that you know, someone like Peter is you know, continuously making a statement of creative relevancy, musical uh, uh, continuum of legitimacy, that you know, he has a great catalog of content and it's not a fluke that he just made a great record uh, because it's part of a long sequence of great records that he has made you know with collaborators like Merle Haggard and Shelby Lynn and Mick Jagger and Keith Richards and all these people that he in turn uh, has called friends through the years and they come and step up to the plate when it comes to an endeavor of his. By the way, I don't think he gets enough credit for being a great, great DJ. He's thought of as Jay Giles' guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a great, great DJ. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he really comes out of that, you know, dare I say it, the College of Musical Knowledge. Oh, and, yeah. You know, he's, <laughs> he does. Uh, and a great background in uh, uh, R&B and uh, uh, the blues. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, we all take a moment to pause the loss of uh, Jay Giles, uh, you know, whom the band was named for. And... Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, but uh, Peter, you know, rolls on, as he says, uh, with the motions of the ocean. And uh, I think at some point, probably in the summer or around that time of uh, the Petty shows, he'll probably, you know, get together with Chachi and Carter on ZLX and do another one of those takeovers uh, cool. where they just suspend all the rules and uh, programming, uh, you know, uh, uh, regulations go out the window. And he, it, it's fascinating to be in the studio for one of those because it's, it's making it up on the fly. It's in- intense. As yeah. When he would do those for four or five years, I was the producer, 
And it was, he was a demanding, exacting, I guess is the word, exacting. His whole, you kind of blown away by how different and intense his style is. If you're in the room, it's another whole thing than most FM DJs. Oh, and when you, you know, like we were talking about the fireworks and the soundtrack that was so precise to, you know, the music corresponding. Peter puts that in the room and out on the air for four continuous yeah. hours. And I'm telling you, you know, if if a station is not equipped having a turntable, he wants one, one to be brought in. Oh, yeah. Because so many of the things that he wants to blast out there are strictly on vinyl. And... Well, we, had, we had three, and he wanted another one <laughs> right, brought in. Right, there. right, right. <laughs> one for each arm. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to take and, a call. Catherine in Newton. We'll take the one call. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Uh, did you ever hear of a place called the Crosstown Bus? Uh, that predates my time coming to Boston. I came here to go to school, uh, Boston University, in the late 60s. I do know that the Crosstown Bus was a place that, among others, the Doors played. That's oh, in Brighton. Yeah. That's actually, you're correct, Brighton. I went there, and I met Jim Morrison, and we became platonic friends until his death. And he was a wonderful, warm-hearted, witty person. How did how did you communicate with him? Were you writing letters or phone calls? Or I used to, if you were under 21, you used to fly half price in United Airlines. And I had occasion to go to California a lot in those days. And I, I knew him. I used to run into him on the strip and so forth. Do you have any pictures of him or anything? Of you guys? No, I don't. I had a friend that knew him, too, and she really lamented the fact that we didn't. Wow. I don't. But I, I had to pretend that I didn't think he was so wonderful as I really did. So you, you were probably cool. connected to him from what, maybe 1967 and, or 68 until... Uh, until 71. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yes, and, it, and there was a group called the Beacon Street Union before your time, too. They were a Boston group. He remembers that. Oh, I know them. Yeah, as a matter oh, of fact, John there's... Lincoln Wright. Yeah, John Lincoln Wright and... Uh, Wayne Bo Lakey. Bob, yeah, and uh, Wayne uh, was a supporter of the Music Museum of New England that we talked about, and Bob Rosenblatt. Uh, oh, yes, I remember him, too. Isn't that nice? Oh, yeah, and they have some incredible Boston Tea Party posters uh, because, uh, you know, the uh, Beacon Street Union played there, and sadly they got painted with that broad brush of the Boston sound that MGM Records tried to create something equivalent, the East Coast version of the San Francisco sound. Yeah. yeah, and it didn't work because these bands were all lumped together and there was no Boston sound. It was just a marketing gimmick, and bands like the Beacon Street Union suffered. It really wasn't until the Giles Band came along in 70-71 to kind of correct some of that and give some esteem to Boston music again. Hey, Catherine, that is a cool story. Thank you. That is a cool story. There's two or three people who call and say they were at that gig. I can't imagine that. Imagine that. Well, I mean, Brighton, uh, yeah. Jim Morrison. Well, you know, it's 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 not all that different from the Boston Tea Party. Some of the posters. I have a great poster that's hanging in the Verb Hotel lobby, and it shows the calendar of events, May 1969. And you have to remember that the ticket prices were three dollars and fifty cents and four dollars and fifty cents, and that there would be no decimal point today if these performers were appearing. The three nights of Jeff Beck with Rod Stewart. Uh, that was the Led Zeppelin month. 
Led Zeppelin uh, had four nights there. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, the Allman Brothers opening for the Velvet Underground. Uh, Poco played. Uh, uh, Joe Cocker, you know, uh, the, uh, Rasan Roland Kirk, the multi-talented wow. uh, 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 jazz uh, musician, opened for the Who. Uh, it's just stunning to think about. So the doors of the Crosstown bus is just another part of that archaeological Boston music dig. Wow. I guess we should end. It's Jay Talking, the Jay Talking Podcast. Thanks, David. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.